یہ انٹرنیشنل گیم ہے اس میں دماغ سے کھیلا جاتا ہے غصے سے نہیں Hello everybody and welcome to episode 16 of Hoop Darshan. Hoop Darshan! Yes, episode number 16. Episode number 16 is pretty special because I think we are out of the range of FIBA jersey numbers. Uh, we, uh, well, let me correct you actually. From, from what I've been seeing recently, I think FIBA is allowing um, uh, players to wear FIBA Asia at least. I saw in the FIBA Asia Championship. Uh, all sorts of jersey numbers like players are wearing any number any two digit two digit number or one or two digit number that they wished so i think it seems that they have gone the nba way oh that's that's fantastic so i'm i'm looking forward to indian players wearing random numbers like 83 koshik what number would you wear if you if you played for india oh to be honest i think i started with 16 the first nba live player that i created for myself it was number 16 i don't remember why but That's uh, a pretty random yeah, number to choose. Yeah, that, that, that's pretty <laughs> random. And that, that, that's what we're going to see <laughs> with numbers increasing like this. But if, when it was the 4 to 15 thing, it, it was always 7. And, and okay. uh, we, we've discussed in this podcast. And that's we've discussed this. Primarily because Raul. of Raul. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, cool. So, um, as of recording, today is the 4th of September. Um, and... Uh, probably be a couple of days before this comes out but w- one of the things that would have happened by then which hasn't happened yet is the was unfortunately the playoff game that indian women's team is playing at the fiba asia to to fight for their uh, right to stay in level 1 that's that's not a good thing because <laughs> last week when we got together to for the hoop session episode we thought that maybe you know indian women's basketball is taking uh, at least it's not going back because we have the same coach we have primarily the same team except geetu of course and we thought that the women's program is in general doing better and it's not going to be uh, too bad but that that's not how the results have gone have they karan yeah unfortunately it seems that we have taken a step back this is a younger more inexperienced team and we're missing a lot of you know obviously geetu uh, is is the big name missing and i wrote an article about her how about her and about the team's future about without her and a lot of players who who represented delhi represented chatisgarh you know players who have been at a high level uh, are not there it's it's kind of surprising to see a lot of uh, names omitted from the from the women's team uh, so they they actually haven't performed very well at all they have been defeated soundly by the big four i mean the the, the score lines are, are ridiculous they're between 50 to 100 points i think we lost by 100 points to one of these to japan or somebody um and the, the the heartbreaking loss was to thailand the team that was close most closely ranked with us who we lost to by two points it was actually a pretty close game a thai player hit the go ahead bas- layup with 16 seconds to go we actually had the lead at that point so um so now that we have, 16 <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> so now that we have fallen to sixth place in level 1 which means we played the top seeded team in level 2 uh and the winner of this game this game is will be held tomorrow and by the time you guys hear this you would probably already know the result uh will move on to level 1 and that team is the philippines that is not a good sign but i hope that we pull it out against the philippines to stay in level 1 for the next um, edition of the asia um but it's it's not all bad news i think we have some news to celebrate uh, our our what did what did we call them butter chicken brothers 
or Bhangra Brothers or whatever. Our, 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 our Bhangra Brothers sounds fine. I mean, I, I think we had the Bhangra Brothers for Sim and Satnam, right? That's right. Or, that's right. The, or, or no, no, you came up with the Butter Chicken Derby, which is yeah. the most fantastic thing to ever call it. <laughs> we, we can call uh, Amrit Pal Singh and Amjot Singh the Bhangra Brothers. That's a good one. Yeah, Bhangra Brothers is a good one. And so, speaking about our Bhangra Brothers, I think that they have some good news for Indian basketball to share. So, Karan, Karan, what's the big news from Japan? Yeah, you, you guys have probably been, if you've been staying in touch, and, you know, Amjot Singh was one of our guests a few um, episodes ago from Japan. They've been playing in the Japanese Summer League for a couple of months, and they did really, really well. I mean, if you've heard, if you remember hearing from Amjot, him and Amrit Pal, the Bhangar brothers, were two of the best scorers in their team and also in the league. And they've now been signed by the, the Japanese D-League, so they have gotten an upgrade, they moved on to a D-League level, and they've been signed by the best team in the Japanese D-League, uh, a team called Tokyo Excellence, who have been champions back-to-back. So, Brilliant name. Uh, I'm, I'm, it's a great name. I mean, uh, and so, so they get to live in Tokyo, so uh, they need to watch out for the distractions that a big city brings, of course. But, uh, but I hope they do really well, because if, if they continue on this path, they've signed a one-year contract. So, of course, financially, this is amazing for them. This is a, uh, this is a good stability, but this is a higher level than any uh, Indian player not named Satnam is going to have. Um, and hopefully, if they do well enough, they get to make the the proper uh, the, the Japanese basketball league. That, that's fantastic. Uh, and like you mentioned in your in your article or your tweet, I can't remember correctly, but that this also means that you know they have a little bit of a break and they'll come back to join the Indian national team for the men's. FIBA yes, they are gonna play. Yeah, I, I was actually confused, and then um, uh, one of the representatives corrected me and told me that I, actually the good news is that they will play for India too. So this it's a win-win situation for everybody. That's that's just amazing. Speaking about wins, this is a brilliant transition, which we did not. <laughs> yeah, you did it. <laughs> <laughs> we did. We did not expect this. But speaking about wins, let's talk about um, arguably the most successful um, Indian guy in the basketball world. You could say in, from a from a very weird angle, but um, that's who our guest is going to be. Uh, Karan, I'll let you introduce our special guest for today, which ties in very well with uh, wins. Yeah, so so if you guys, I don't know if you guys have heard of Crossover, uh, the app Crossover, the the tech service. Crossover is a service that helps to uh, basically break down game tape. And bring them, bring down, get the advanced analysis, get the advanced stats out of it, and then send it back to the coaches who are breaking those tapes down. And makes life much easier for these coaches to then be able to see their own weaknesses, scout their opposition, blah blah. blah. And this team has grown exponentially in the last five years. Uh, their motto is hashtag more wins, which is uh, why uh, Kaushik has been going on about, on about winning like Charlie Sheen over here. <laughs> um, <laughs> And, and and the CEO and the founder of this company is a dude who grew up in, in Bangalore, like Kaushik did, Vasu Kulkarni. And uh, Vasu is an awesome guy. He's he's uh, one of the fastest rising guys in the tech world. And he has close ties in Bangalore. So we, we're going to bring you two sides, two different worlds are going to merge right now. We're going to talk about grassroots basketball in India, in Bangalore. And we're going to talk about uh, our man Vasu, who's been basically... You know, chilling with and, and working with people who are at the at the forefront of advanced and analytics in basketball. The future of basketball analytics will have the name crossover somewhere in it. So let's bring on Vasu and talk about this in greater detail. Hey Vasu, welcome. Okay. Welcome to Hoop Darshan. Thanks for being a part of this. 
Absolutely. Uh, Vasu, where are you right now? I am. Uh, I'm at home in New York. Okay. For once. Home <laughs> is New York now. Yeah. How um, how long have you been there? Like, when were you back in Bangalore? When were you back in uh, like in India? Uh, well, I've been in New York since uh, 2008, so going on almost seven, probably a little over seven years now. And back in Bangalore, it's probably been, I'd say, two years since I've been back. And my mom's been yelling for me to get my ass off, so <laughs> probably will be there at some point soon. So, so I'm guessing you left Bangalore before it became Bengaluru. I did. I, I did. Just on the just on the cusp, I think of, uh, of all those changes that were unnecessary, but fine. So I have a question for both you and Kofik, and you know, we will just dabble in the political range a little bit. Are you guys comfortable yet with calling it Bengaluru, or is it is is the habit not come up yet? I definitely don't. Uh, but you know, I'm not there on a day to day basis. Nobody's sticking it in my face, so for, for, I, I, you know, that's why. Yeah, Kaushik, what about you? I think everybody still, everybody who's grown up in that city still calls it Bangalore. And if it's on administrative, on paper reasons, Bangalore, then nobody really cares. Uh, well, anyways, let me re- re-formally introduce our guest today, Vasu Kulkarni. Vasu is the CEO of Crossover which is a service that breaks down uh, game tape to expose like advanced data analytics and, and you guys now have i don't know th- thousands of clients now across across the US in in high school and at the pro level in basketball football like last I spoke to you it was basketball football and lacrosse so uh, how's it going right now how's what's the state of crossover I want you to introduce it a little bit uh, to our to our listeners anything i haven't told yet uh, vasu yeah, it's uh, it, it's a roller coaster ride, man. There's uh, the, unlike unlike the NBA guaranteed contracts, there is no guarantees when it comes to startups. Uh, we might be we might be public in two years, or we might be dead in one. Uh, you just you you don't know. Um, but that's that's the fun of it. If if everything was if everything was handed to you on a on a silver spoon, it's uh, not nearly as much fun. So. Yeah, we're we're probably by the end of this year expecting to be at close to nine thousand teams um, oh my God. across the wow. U.S. and Canada, as well as in sixteen different countries. Although, you know, those countries, it's it's really been the power of social media. We don't actively have a presence anywhere other than the U.S. And yet, um, all of these coaches in various countries are hearing about us on Twitter, on Facebook. Uh, they might come to the U.S. for a coaching clinic to meet with other coaches, and then they they take back this information about crossover and realize that it could be helpful to them. So, you know, the the NBA and the NFL and all of these guys have had tools for for a long, long time. They have the human resources to do all of this work manually. Uh, But when you think about your average high school team or even a semi-pro team somewhere in Europe or Asia, they really don't have the staff to be able to sit down and break film down to the extent that we can. They don't have the technical know-how and they don't have the uh, the mathematical knowledge to sit there and compile all these stats and so we've really just taken away a lot of that manual labor that would normally be get being done by an assistant coach or by an operations guy and saying listen give it to us we'll be your we'll be your software platform as well as sort of your uh, your external video coordinator that can handle all of this for you and it's been received pretty well so far so uh, can you explain a little bit of how exactly it works? Like as far as I am, uh, as far as I know about it, 
you guys basically take game tape from the coaches or the assistant coaches, and then you guys break it down and give it back to them. That's yeah, that's that's exactly right. And obviously, there's a lot of technology that goes on in between each of those processes. But essentially, that's what we're doing. You're sending us your film. You're uploading it to us after the game. We're doing all this backend processing work. We're converting all that data into statistical reports, shot charts, uh, whatever you can think of from a sort of from a basketball perspective. And then across different sports, those those stats will change. Obviously, the same stats don't make sense for basketball and football. But basically, we create a sports specific view depending on uh, on what coach we're selling to. And uh, and now the coaches, the athletes, everyone involved with that team a day after they play their game, is able to come in, log in on an iPad, an iPhone, uh, or on the web, or on an Android device now, and you can view everything that an NBA team is probably viewing, but for your own team. That's, that's fantastic. So uh, for, for the listeners of our podcast, I'm not sure if you know of this tiny bit of interesting nugget, but Vasu and I actually went to the same school in Bangalore. Um, we, I think we've played basketball maybe a couple of times or three times together, Wait, but I, I don't think, gonna, I don't think you're Are you not going to shout out your school? Are you going to give your shooter shout out? Shout out, come on. Oh, absolutely, man. Shout out to VNS <laughs> Vidyaniketan School, um, where Basu's humble beginnings began. Basu, uh, I, I want to talk to you a little bit about Bangalore and, and school back there. So I, I know that Crossovers has a motto, which is hashtag more wins. Am I getting that right? <laughs> yes, you're um, right. So how how did your more wins start in Bangalore? So what 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 do you attribute about who you are and um, how you fell in love with basketball and all to what to Bangalore as a, as a part of your life? So it's crazy. I was I was born here, which uh, if the accent didn't give away, then <laughs> I don't know what will. Uh, but but I moved back when I was nine to uh, well I, I wouldn't call it moving back because I never lived there. So I guess I moved to Bangalore when I was nine. And while I was here in the U.S., I was I had definitely fallen in love with basketball, but I had never actually played basketball while I was here. I was actually a soccer player. Uh, so my first three years of actual sports were soccer at the ages of six, seven, eight, or seven, eight, nine, whatever it was. And then the the '94 earthquake happened in Los Angeles, and we were our house was about half a mile from the epicenter. Everything was destroyed. It was a complete mess. And my parents had already been thinking about moving back. And this was sort of the last straw for them. They said, this is it. You know, this is a sign from God, I guess. If <laughs> it's, it's, t- it's time to leave. So we packed up our stuff and we moved. And, uh, and so I get to Bangalore as a nine-year-old kid, pickiest eater in the world, and there's no pizza <laughs> in town. I mean, it was miserable. <laughs> Those were the three worst years of my life. By by for by any stretch of the imagination, I hated it. Um, Maybe and I didn't because join... of the Pizza Hut problem, or definitely because of the Pizza Hut problem. <laughs> but like, it, it was also it was cultural shock. It was yeah. you know lack of food. The electricity back in the '90s still was not. I mean, it's still not stable, but it's a lot better than where it was in the '90s. Uh, falling sick because of the water, and then of course the biggest problem: the lack of basketball on TV. Um, I still remember we would get back in the nineties, it would be two games a week. You would yep. get something on Friday morning and Saturday and morning, Saturday morning it would yep. be roughly about five thirty AM you had to be up to watch it and the school bus would come to pick us up, you know, <laughs> roughly around eight five. So it was always a, a hope that the game didn't go into overtime <laughs> because you're not gonna get to watch overtime. Why wow, so you um, you've just said the hustle of every single nineties right? NBA fan. Like everyone has that <laughs> I've had the exact same issue, you know. <laughs> watching a game before school 
it's it was crazy, man. And I, I mean, and then you know, you had to have electricity. Your cable guy had to have electricity. If one of them <laughs> lost it, yeah, I. Orders there were with a two point game when the screen goes blank, and uh, you're you're so sick and tired of it. But yeah, I. Through it all, what was really interesting was I had I had come in assuming like this was the end of basketball. Like, there's no way anybody in India played basketball, and I was shocked uh, to find that the school I joined had a basketball court. It wasn't it wasn't a great court. It was definitely a mud court, but they had a court. And then I moved to VNS in the seventh grade, and I mean we had a pretty shitty court, but we had a court. And uh, the seventh grade, the year I joined, I believe, was also the year that our uh, that our coach, uh, Mr. Mahajan, joined the VNS to take over the basketball program. Shout out to Mahajan, and, sir. Uh, <laughs> definitely shout out to Mahajan, sir. Is, is, is this Subhash Mahajan? Yes. Yes. The one, okay. All right. Shout out to Subhash Mahajan. That's fantastic. Um, and so he took over the program and... I mean, we didn't know what to make of him. Man. He's this crazy old man that would shoot, that would shoot running three-point hook shots, and uh, I, he was unbelievable. But I will tell you to this day, I do not know if I have met another Indian man with the same passion for the game of basketball as this guy. Uh, he has just—he's been unbelievable. He definitely, you know, he by no means was he an expert at the game. But he made it fun. He cared. He would wake up at five in the morning and he would pick people up. He would drive them to the court. If there was a tournament in some other city, we'd all pile into his Tata Sumo. I don't know if those things are even a thing anymore. <laughs> yes, but they I are. remember he had one. And and he would drive us to tournament. I mean, he's just an unbelievable guy. And and that's really where basketball started for me. Um, and I always say, you know, I had an opportunity to come back here and eventually play at the collegiate level. And now I get to play you know, five days a week at, at pickup runs where the competition is probably far better just in a pickup run than in any tournament we played in in India. And yet, I always say, if I hadn't grown up in India, I don't know if I would have ever had the opportunity to continue playing because it may have very well been possible that in the U.S., and, and I think that you know, so much of the human mind is just straight-up confidence that playing, in a, in, playing in, a, in a place where people were my size, not two times taller, <laughs> and, and, and 150 that most Indians are, like all of those factors, I think, played a continue to play basketball, have the confidence to keep playing. And then when I got here... You know, my senior year, I had a chance to walk on at Penn, and I played on the JV team, and I wasn't very good, but I got 15, 20 minutes as a backup point guard. And then, and since then, I've gotten to play in all sorts of charity tournaments and, and fantasy camps, and there's a, whole, there's a whole host of things you can do, but I still bring it back to VNS, and, and without Mr. Mahajan, I don't know if I would have ever become a basketball player. I may have just been a fan. Well, Vasu, before I ask you the next question, I just want to mention that uh, since we, we started talking about Mr. Mahajan, I also want to say that he's an excellent follow on Facebook. Like, he has all this, <laughs> all this like, hilarious inspirational stuff that I'm, I'm sure you guys all already already know, but it's it's it's, it's all caps lock. He, I think he, he writes like Kanye does, you know, he's got the same, like, his brain is thinking this exact same way. But, but anyway, so... Uh, now, now, like you know, so I kind of know your story a little bit. That you know, you were in Penn, and then you had this this dream of doing something with basketball. And then I'm sure, like I remember you telling me that 
crossover started with you just by yourself. Uh, tell me how you turned that kind of just a dream, just an idea into reality. What challenges did you face on the way? How did that? How did that eventually transpire? Yeah, I've had. Uh, so I don't know if you guys, you, you guys probably follow me on social media, but I don't know if you saw this post about about three weeks ago. I was I was getting really sick and tired of seeing the number of suicide stories here in the U.S. on on college campuses, specifically at at Penn. Hmm. Um, and it, it was turning into an epidemic. And uh, I, I finally had had enough. And, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not a counselor. I don't know what to do. But I was sick of it. And so I, I wrote this blog post essentially talking about the whole suicide problem and then essentially saying, look, guys, I know you're under a lot of stress in college and there's all these things going on. But at the end of the day, let me give you a little piece of advice. Like GPAs just do not matter at yeah. all. Like nobody cares in the real yeah. world about any of this stuff. And in order to prove that point, because a lot of people say that to people, but then they're all like, oh, yeah, but you probably did really well. And, you know, you're you run your own company now and nobody believes you. So I went ahead and I published my transcript on my blog post. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, nobody reads my blog. It's probably <laughs> like seven, seven, seven people, seven people read my blog on any given day. We right? are two of them. So. <laughs> yeah, and, and there's two of you guys. So, so I published this thing, and what happened after that is just beyond my wildest dreams. I mean, we've I've had over probably 80, 80, 90,000 views on that blog post. It's gone viral on the internet. Wow. I started getting emails from all sorts of people. Uh, MTV wants to do something with it now. So it's it's just been a whirlwind three weeks, and uh, and, and so what's crazy to me is that because of that so many people have sort of come into my office in the last couple of weeks just people who read my blog post asked to have a meeting and and my rule is always if you if you shoot me an email i will respond to you no matter what it doesn't matter who you are so started taking all these meetings and a lot of people have asked me exactly this question how do you turn sort of an idea into a reality and and my answer to all of them has so far been guys it's been it's been four or five years now since i started this thing it is a blur. I cannot remember what those first year or two years were like at all. It's just been so long. Uh, so if you ask me step by step, what did you do? I would tell you, I have no idea what I did. I, <laughs> we do not know how we are still alive. Uh, and I feel that all the time. But, but you know, just at a very high level, I'd say, you know, first of all, the, the best advice I give people is like, just talk to other people about your idea. If people think, oh, my God, I got this great idea. It's the greatest thing since sliced bread. I better not talk to anyone because you're going to steal it. I'm like, man, do you know how much shit people have to do in their own lives every single day? You think some guy's going to steal your idea and then he's going <laughs> to go and implement it? Like, it's not going to happen. <laughs> but by talking to other people, you, you, you realize that you are just a data point of one. You, you may have a very skewed view of the world about requirements, about what you think is important. You start talking to two, three, four other people, and all of a sudden you realize that everybody's got kind of a very different perspective on life and on the things that they need and want. And so something that you thought is an obvious problem that people would pay for, that eh, turns out there might not be nearly as big a market for that thing as you thought. And So one of the things we did very early on was definitely go out and talk to a lot of coaches, and we continue to do that. Every time we're adding a new sport, a new feature, a new product, we spend a lot of time talking to our end users and trying to understand, is this really a problem, or does Vasu just think it's a problem uh, because he plays ball every day and he's not a coach? (laughs) 
Right. So we start there, talk to your users, figure out what they really want, and then and then sort of build in iterations. Don't go out and just build this giant system uh, and take two years. You know, build a little piece, take it out to the market, sort of what we call in the tech world an MVP, which is a minimum viable product. And uh, and you take that out there and you get people to play with it, give you feedback, bring it back, keep iterating. And, and that's really what we've done. We've done a pretty good job of all of that. So for the most part, uh, our users are very happy. They come back year after year. Most coaches tell us they can't imagine having to coach a season without crossover. And uh, and that's as much as you can ever hope to hear from a product is that if your customer tells you that he can't imagine life without it, that's mm. great. And you know, we'll never have the same impact that someone like an Uber has. But I look at the companies in a similar way. I can't imagine life without Uber at this point. Mm -hmm. uh, it's completely changed the way I travel. And I'm on the road every week to never have to rent a car again and to just always have a guy on demand that'll pick you up. That's unbelievable. And, and again, not to the same level. But when I think of crossover and I think of a basketball coach at the high school level who never has to come home and sit there in front of a video editor and spend six hours cutting up film, that's a huge change in his, uh, in his quality of life for him. That's right. Uh, Vasil, you spoke about how the first couple of years has been a complete blur and you don't remember anything. I, I wanted to ask you this. Do you, do you recollect with fond memory or do you recollect at all who your first client was? Oh, absolutely. That Because it's a great story. And so uh, these, these are the sorts of things you can't make up. So we're at, it's 2010. We don't really have a product yet. It's like half-baked. It barely functions, but it's enough to show somebody so I'm at a, uh, at a coaching clinic in Vegas uh, where all these, you know, there are about 2,000 coaches that have come down to listen to other coaches speak. And uh, we're, we're standing there, me and this other guy who helped me start the company named James, and we're standing there like two idiots trying to sell software at a coaching clinic when <laughs> everybody else is selling shoes and balls and stuff that's physical and tangible. And here are these two nerds standing there with a computer <laughs> screen behind them. And, uh, and so, you know, we got a little bit of traffic. Some guys are coming by to talk to us. And, and, and then there's this one guy that just kept coming back. He came by our booth like four times, always had really good questions, really wanted to know how it worked. So, you know, by the last day, we were kind of like, hey, man, like, what's the deal here? Like, are you really interested? And this guy's like, oh, absolutely. He's like, you know, we, my team hasn't has, – we've been on a 63-game losing streak. So we haven't, <laughs> we haven't won a game in uh, two and a half years at this point. And, uh, and I'm the head boys basketball coach, and, you know, I'm really trying to turn this program around. I said, awesome, man. I think, uh, I think we can help you. So he, this, was, this was around May 10th, and I remember by May 13th, three days later, I had received a check in the mail for $1,000. I still have a picture of it from, uh, from King Philip High School in Rentham, Massachusetts. Hmm. And, uh, and, and the coach's name was Sean McInnes. And so he sent us a check for a thousand bucks. He became sort of our guinea pig. Uh, that whole that whole summer, he sent us film from his last two years. We broke it down. We got all these metrics for him. And then going into that fall, he he was our first official customer. He used us that season, and his team went from being on a sixty-three game losing streak to losing in the state semifinals. They lost by six points from being from from going to the state championship game that's and, amazing <laughs> yeah i'm sure it's not all us but he swears that you know the, the the level of data we gave him allowed him to change the way his team worked and and that's why it happened that, that's that's really amazing you spoke about how you may not achieve the same kind of thing that uber is doing but i, I bet you uber doesn't have such a cool story for sure <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
Uh, I, what about some of your other clients? You use you work with U.S. high schools, colleges, and even some of the NBA teams. So do, do you at some point of time look back and see that wow, these guys are my clients? Who who are some of those kind of clients that you'd want to share your stories about if you have them? Well, you know the the big boys. As much as it's a nice PR stunt and it's nice for us to be able to say we've got the Houston Rockets and the Cavaliers and the Toronto Raptors and Kentucky and you know, for me personally, it's that's fun to say and people are like, oh wow, that's really cool. You get to work with these guys and and it is cool. Like we help these teams prepare for the NBA draft. That's the that's the main function that we have with some of these larger teams is helping them prepare for the draft. And it's really cool when you've helped. Uh, an NBA team look through a couple of guys and you have sort of an inside scoop on who they're looking at and then draft night comes and, and you know one of the teams we helped last year were the Miami Heat and it was pretty cool at number 10 when they got the steal of the draft yep. and uh, and we're looking at that and I'm sitting at home watching and I'm going wow man like getting Justice Winslow like just yesterday I was talking to him about this that's really cool hmm. but at the end of the day the, the real stories for me are at the grassroots level. It's the it's the coach that barely has a budget and is emailing us and saying, "Hey guys, like my school's denying me the ability to purchase your product, but I feel that I'm doing a disservice to my guys if we don't have it, so I'm going to pay out of pocket." And these guys don't make a lot of money. I mean, an American high school coach is almost entirely a volunteer position for most sports other than football. They're making 5 grand, 10 grand a year and to spend a thousand, two thousand bucks out of their own pocket to buy our product. It, it means a lot to us. And there's so many stories of coaches who had who had thought some sort of a play that they had been running for the last ten years was the best play they had ever come up with. <laughs> and then all of a sudden they look at the metrics on crossover and realize that it's a terrible play. <laughs> and they change the way they coach. And and the kids that you know, we had a, a kid two years ago on one of our teams that had one hand. I mean, he had one arm, like literally would play with one arm. And, and you guys, Florida offered him a scholarship last year uh, to, to be a walk-on at Florida. And so th- there's all these stories in the local community that we get to see because we have all this film. We have a relationship with the coaches. Um, those are the real stories that, that keep us going. The NBA stuff and the college stuff, whatever, man. I mean, it's, it's fun to talk about, but it, it really, we're not making as much of a difference in their lives as we are with the grassroots kids and, and their coaches. Hmm. That's that's awesome to hear. And grassroots is something we talk about a lot on this podcast, but mostly connected to uh, stuff that back, happens back home in India. And I, I want to completely right. shift your uh, viewpoint from the US to India. And I, I have personally worked with a sports-based startup in India, I know life is incredibly tough. Nobody wants to pay money. Nobody wants to think about even, you know, technology and sports don't necessarily go hand in hand. They don't even exist in the same universe in India. So I I want to ask, do you have some sort of pipe dream, however unrealistic and however uh, crazy it might be to, to maybe sell your software in India? Um, sure. Uh, (laughs) I would love to. I think it would be it would be great to be able to uh, to bring it home and to have someone there get to the point where they care enough that they're willing to spend the money and they're willing to take the time to learn how to use a a, a system that 
changes the way you play. It's, it makes it it makes the sport data driven. And I mean, it's ironic because Indians are supposed to be the smart ones that are good at math, and, and yet we don't want to get into it. What the hell? It's, well, we it's crazy. It, it's hard for us to think of both of them together. We're either really good in tech, or we are, you know, right. about average in sports. So it's like <laughs> those those two worlds never mix. It's, it's sort of it's oil and water here. Uh, I mean, I have to imagine we can't be that far away. It might not be the next two years, but in the next five, I have to imagine, assuming assuming we're still alive as a company, <laughs> I have to imagine it can't be that far before there are a couple of uh, Indian teams, whether it be in the Super League for soccer or whether it be the IBL or whatever, millions of things that are popping up at this point. Somebody at some point is going to realize that you can get a huge advantage and win games if you have the data yeah maybe it's maybe it's rahman sir from vns <laughs> <laughs> i heard he retired recently oh really okay let's let's not make this a vns Or podcast but... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh vasu like since we like we got on the india topic uh, are you in tune with you know the, the basketball stuff that happens in india uh, do you keep no. in touch and, uh, and and how do you think you know how do you think we can <laughs> improve the organization of, of what's going on in India there is no organization I very much I very much enjoyed reading the in inbred fighting that's going on between the the two sections and I mean I was just with two big Indian guys here that are they work for the government here they're pretty high up and uh, and we were just talking yesterday at lunch about Indian basketball because all three of us are huge basketball fans and we were talking about this fighting and we were just rolling our eyes and saying of course <laughs> like that how could we have expected anything different uh, it's, it's always politics man. first yeah it's always it's there's always some bullshit that comes before <laughs> the actual problem i mean it's it's unbelievable that uh, that in 2015 this is the nonsense that's going on yeah Do you, like have you like what about the, at the grassroots level like have you since you you played in school here you've seen how the events are held do you what, where do you think like should be the first steps in improving this stuff like i know the be at the bfi level like god save us you know right. we, we don't know what's going to happen but but if you're building brick by brick from the bottom do you have any suggestions for what coaches in india can do like like coaches like mahajan like what they're doing stuff like that I mean, they're they're doing what they can. I truly believe. I mean, I think Mahajan is doing everything possible. The guy's using his own money to go and erect courts in villages. Like, what more can you ask of a human being hmm. than that? Uh, so I and then you know I'm I somehow connected with this other kid up north um, through another friend of mine here who's holding free basketball clinics for for all these kids. And I he puts up videos on Facebook, and I watch them. Like, wow, this like this kid's actually pretty good. He's making them run. Pretty good drills and whatnot, and I think you know the the first of all, I don't know if the if from my time in ninety whatever ninety eight through two thousand two when I was actually playing there through now, like I don't even know if the 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 basic quality of basketball has gotten any higher. It's, it's um, significantly I better. Been back to see significantly has better. It? Yeah, I, I've I've seen that same phase. You know, I started a little later than you. and i was playing yeah. until 3 months ago and it's significantly better kids are taller better faster they 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 do basics much better so i think that it's it's improving but it's a very 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 slow slope hmm. well that's i mean that's good to hear so 
I, I personally, whenever I came back and sort of played pickup, maybe it was because I was just playing with the same guys over and over again. I kind of felt like it was the same group and we they all just had sort of the same skill set as they had back then and things weren't getting better. <laughs> but that's good to hear that the younger generation is getting there. I th- it, it definitely, I think the biggest problem is you got to start with a focus on fitness over skills. I mean, there are no fitness coaches in India. Nobody, I mean, the fitness is you show up at the court and they say, okay, run around the track <laughs> to warm up, right? That's what you did. You, you, you ran around the whole field four times. And, and then, then you're ready. And you play basketball. And then you're, you're ready. ready. That's all it takes. <laughs> And, and frankly, it's it's already 105 degrees, so you didn't even need to do that. You were warm anyway. Um, it's it's amazing how much that fitness piece is is gonna affect. I think the outcome of of players. I mean, I didn't do any of that stuff because no one told me. But then once I got here and I learned about the various ways you warm up and you stretch and you work with trainers and then you got to they've got the whole cryotherapy thing going on now and yeah i i don't have a cryotherapy machine but i use i i ice down after every pickup game and it really makes a huge difference in in your body's recovery and and how hard you can go and i think that that's the biggest piece that's missing in india is there's there's nobody telling these coaches how to get their kids prepared for game day it's always just all right, let's show up. Let's get the guys together. And, and uh, I mean, shit, I always remember Mahajan used to give me a bottle of Coke before every game and say, here you go, man. Like, that was, that was my warm-up because he knew I liked Coke. I, holy shit, I grew up drinking caffeine before every game. Imagine, imagine if someone had told me about drinking fruit juice instead. I may have been, I may have been the first Indian in the league, man. <laughs> you, you know, and then, like, on the same track, like – now we talk about how fitness could improve players in India. From from your perspective, how far do you think uh, the Indian teams, you know, our, our national team, of course, and then the state-level teams, and then eventually, you know, the day the, the league finally begins, how right. far do you think they are from, like, adopting analytics? Do you think they'll do it straight away, or do you think, do, do you think they're still... I, I feel like they've got too many bigger fish to fry right now, man. Mm. I think I think it's, it's, it's got to start... Fitness, then they got to worry about these coaches actually knowing the basics of the game and teaching it the right way. Then you sort of go to larger game preparation. Um, then you got to go to just basic film work, just being able to just, hey, I do, forget film work. You got to go to actually recording the games. I don't yeah, know if anyone's you, recording yeah. any of these games to begin with. And you go from there to just watching that film, at least just watching it in its raw form and trying to understand what you're doing right or wrong tell you in the last year i've started putting a gopro on the wall when we play pickup at my gym every single day we play every single day there's a gopro on the wall i've come home and gotten to watch myself for the for essentially the first time in my life because until this point nobody had ever really filmed my games and given me a chance to watch and and the difference in my game over the last year that people have just told me just anecdotally like holy shit dude like you've gotten significantly better in the last year it i truly believe the only thing i've done differently in the last year is i've gotten older which is not good for me because my <laughs> knees are killing me and i've started watching my video and seeing what i'm doing right or wrong hmm. and so i think it it makes such a huge difference just to watch yourself one time and none of these kids in india have probably ever watched themselves play to realize what they're doing so i think it starts there and then the last step 
unfortunately for us, is mm-hmm. analytics for these teams. So I just think we're, we're a ways away. At least, they, I mean, as, as you guys mentioned earlier, like, they'll eventually, when they do get to that step, there'll be no shortage of, like, young tech guys in India who'll be hungry to ha- have that spot in every team to be, like, you exactly. know, to, 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 to bring some maths into the whole, into the sport, basically. Uh, yeah, but, I've seen, I mean, what's cool is the, the number of Indians here now that are getting those positions, like the assistant GM for the Sixers is an Indian. Hmm. Uh, there's a handful of guys at the NCAA level who are sort of operations guys, video guys, hmm. analytics guys who are all Indian. So, like, we're doing it here. Hmm. And the question is, when are we going to do it there? Hmm. Yeah. I, I think there's, there's a CEO of a pretty cool tech company. I think he's Indian as well. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what about what about uh, advanced analytics in general? Though I, I feel like uh, it's it's so amazing that the NBA is finally embracing the amount of nerds around. The fact that people use <laughs> this much analytics, this much mathematics, this much game tape analysis. Do, do you feel like that's a that's a very good place that the NBA is going towards compared to maybe uh, the rest of the sports in the US or sports in general? Yeah, the NBA, I mean, the NBA was late to the game, obviously. Baseball's been doing this stuff forever. I mean, baseball is essentially just a statistics-based game. I, frankly, you don't even need to be athletic to play that game. You just <laughs> need to be able to, to to read the damn stats, I guess, and play the percentages is what you need to be able to do. Uh, but, yeah, basketball was a little late. But I think that despite coming late, they've definitely jumped to the forefront of what they're doing. I do still believe that... While they've done the best job they can in data collection, I mean, there's no lack of data collection now. The actual utilization of that data and making sense of it, we're nowhere near scratching the surface of that yet. I mean, Mm. plenty of teams have the sports view system and everything else you can think of they'll buy. But some teams, they don't really buy into it. Uh, Great example, the Sacramento Kings. They have an owner who claims to be the biggest data guy on earth. He built he built a multi-billion dollar public company around data. And then who who does he put in charge of things? He's got <laughs> our friend Vladi Divac, who's now the, the general manager who listen, I love Vladi, man. I mean, I'm a I'm a Laker fan from back in the day. I love Vladi, but what does he know about <laughs> about being data driven? Um I've spoken to a lot of people in that organization and it is not a good scene because you're saying a lot of things outwardly to the public about wanting to be this data-driven organization and then internally you've got people that don't embrace it at all making all the decisions and so there has to be buy-in from everyone and they're obviously an exception. There's plenty of teams that are doing it the right way but then again you look at some of the teams that are going purely data-driven don't necessarily have a lot of basketball guys making decisions. Yeah. And and you're seeing the same thing. Um, six, I'm sure the Sixers have had a lot of bad luck. Uh, it's trust, unfortunate. Tr- trust the process. You got to trust the process. <laughs> I don't know how long you can trust that process for. I have Philly fans and I just feel bad saying th- those words together. Philly fans. That's, yeah. it's, it's pretty amazing yeah. because in this conversation, there's two Lakers fans and one Knicks fan, and we are feeling better about our teams than the Sixers. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know, you mentioned Vivek. I, I just want to say he's uh, he's putting the Indian stereotype to shame a little bit. Like, come on, like let's let's be a, let's be a bit geekier right. about these things. Right? Come on. Right. Oh man. Oh man. 
Vasut, I mean, gonna take you uh, off work a little bit. You know, following you on social media and all, we get to oh, see that, that 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 you're sort of in the heat of a lot of big events. You get to meet. I, th- I think you hung out with Steph Curry. You hung out with Magic. You, you met God himself, Michael Jordan. Like, tell us about. <laughs> tell tell us how that was. Tell us your when you met MJ. What was how how did that happen? How did you feel? Could you speak any words? If I tell you how I met MJ, I might have a restraining order taken out on me. So I, I might need to I might need to tone the story down a little bit. Uh, no, I mean, look, it's I'm like a kid in a candy store, man. I mean, living the dream. It's it's crazy growing up in India. If someone had told me I'd be sitting courtside at an NBA All Star game, or I'd be sitting in the owner suite at the finals, or I'd be partying with Steph Curry, I'd be like, "You're out of your mind, man!" Like I'm just I'm just a kid from Bangalore. Like I'm there's no way any of this stuff is real. Um, but then, then you, you, the one thing I've learned is that in life, if you really, really want something, if you're really passionate about something, you'll find a way to make it happen. And if somebody really wants to meet Michael Jordan, he's just another human being. Like, it is possible to meet Michael Jordan. It's not impossible. And I've actually met the man twice. I, so I played at his camp as a kid when I was 17 years old. And I rolled my ankle at, at camp, and he actually came up to me, and he talked to me for five minutes. And I remember calling That's... my mom back being, I'm so happy I rolled my ankle because Michael came <laughs> and gave me a hug. Um, Man, like if, if that happened to me at 17, I would just quit on life. I'm like, I'm done. Like there's no, exactly. I have no more ambitions left. Like this over. <laughs> hang them hang up. It's all over. I, yeah, so I mean, but you know, that back then I was a kid. And then I sort of went back to that camp last year. Just I knew some of the people that were running the camp, so I just kind of showed up, uh, you know, talked to Mike at a bar the night before because I knew where he was staying. Hence the restraining order coming up. <laughs> and uh, you know, I, I may or may not have hung out in the lobby for four hours for four for four days trying to figure out Michael's <laughs> schedule. Um, and then and then you know the next day the the people who ran his camp kind of set me up to be a counselor at the camp just so that I could I could hang out and. As part of that, I got to go up to Mike and talk to him for a second. He remembered me from the night before, and, and we took a picture. And, I mean, listen, it's, it becomes old very quickly. And Mike, Mike's obviously, listen, he's the one guy on earth I would do anything to hang out with, right? He's like, he is God, and then there's everyone below him. <laughs> and and you, talk, you talk about LeBron and Chris Paul and Melo. Like, I met all of these guys, and you know, the first time it's cool. But then it gets old really quickly. The thing to remember is, like, you know, they don't care who you are. Like, yeah, you're just yeah. another guy. There's, you don't yeah, really yeah. have anything in common. There's, there's very few guys that I've hung out with that I feel like I actually really had a connection. So, like, two of those guys are Draymond Green and Steph Curry. Like, those hmm. are two dudes that, like, I sat down and had dinner with. And, like, you, you're just talking to them like you guys are best friends from high school. <laughs> and they can carry on that conversation. And they're, they're just so humble and such nice guys. Unbelievable. But most of the other guys, it's really hard to relate with them. Like, mm. they live in sort of an alternate universe. And you're kind of a nobody. So you go, you meet them, you say what up, somebody introduces you, 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 know, you tell the guy, hey, man, great season, whatever. And then, and then that's it. Like, and then you're just standing there awkwardly. <laughs> <laughs> with nothing, with nothing to say to each other, it's like it's really weird. It's not a lot of fun. Um, you, you know, you mentioned all these other guys that, and then and the MJ thing. But what's funny is that I bet all these other guys, the first time they met MJ, they had the exact same reaction. Like he's right? got, he's got to them too. Like it's not just to us. Like he's he's that great. I think 
that he's kind of on a different echelon. There's there's one exception to that rule, and that's my main man, JaVale McGee. So JaVale and I were roommates at Jordan Camp when I was 17 years old. And he was like 6'11 at the time, and he was still just as much of a clown then as he is today. And so Pierre, I, I, I Pierre, Pierre <laughs> McGee. So we're we're still Facebook friends. Uh, so hopefully he doesn't hear this. But essentially, on 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 uh, on the last day of camp, you're all allowed to get an autograph from Michael. So everybody's brought something cool with them, right? So some guys have high school jerseys and their college and and North Carolina jerseys and cards and magazines and whatever shoes. So everybody's talking to one another because that's the big thing that day. Oh my God, I'm about to get Michael's autograph. Yeah. You know, what did you get? So we're all comparing what we brought. So I had brought this giant 24 by 36 oil painting that I had an artist <laughs> replicate the Jordan free throw line dunk on to get an autograph, right? It's like the sickest thing in the world. It's the only one that exists and it's, it, it hangs in my living room. That's awesome. Um, and, and like, I, you know, I do puja to it every morning. And, 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 and so... Uh, so we're all talking and we're like, yo, JaVale, uh, what are you getting Michael to autograph? I still remember, man, because I had no idea who JaVale McGee was. Except he's this giant seven foot guy sitting in my living room. And he looks at and he looks at us and he goes, man, I don't need MJ's autograph. I'm going to be in the league soon. And, and we're sitting there going, who the hell is this kid? And like, I mean, God bless him. He, he came to the league two years later. <laughs> but like there's your there's your there's always an exception to the rule there's your exception to the rule like he does not give a shit about michael jordan <laughs> hey i mean maybe because he didn't get the darshan that his his later years in the league have been you know kind of quirky yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's what we're gonna end oh, we're gonna end on a on an interesting note we have a question called would you a philosophical rather... question actually yes oh boy yeah. all sorts of opinions varying in all sorts of fields of thought are welcome on this. So, um, you mentioned that yeah. how NBA players, they live in a different universe. They're, they're just, the way they think and act is completely different. But um, would you rather be a billionaire tech entrepreneur or would you rather be a millionaire NBA player? So I'm sure everybody's going to give you a very different response to that. But for me, it's, I mean, it's not even a question. And for, for me, the number one thing in life has always been basketball. There's, there's no person, thing, uh, or want in, in my life that's more important to me than basketball. So for me, just being able to play the game, it would have meant more than, uh, more than anything money could bring. Um, I will say, you know, you say they're, they're, they live in an alternate universe and they're very different. Like, yes, uh, but I think in some ways we make them do that. Mm, as, yes. as fans, we put them on this pedestal that is mm. way beyond human. We, we turn <laughs> them into superheroes, and, and then they have to act that way. And there's very few of them, I think, that sort of re- retain uh, that humility and, and just humanity in them. So you, a great example, about six months ago, I was up in Cleveland, and on the same day that I met the Cavaliers, it's the same night that I was sitting at dinner with Steph and, and, uh, and Draymond. And, and in the morning, I had asked Kendrick Perkins, uh, and well, the larger Cavs group, but Kendrick was the one who took the question. Uh, I said, you know, guys, you uh, do, do you look at basketball as a game that you play, or is this your job? 
And at some point, does it lose? Do you lose the love? Because it's a question I've mm -hmm. had of myself all the time. I always say, man, if I had been good enough to play in the league and I had to turn this into a job, every day I had to show up, I had to train, I have to lift weights, I have to run, would I still love the game as much as I love it today where I'm able to play it and watch it as I please? Like, that's a question I'll never know the answer to, but it's mm. a question I always ask. So I wanted to ask that of an NBA player and find out what they thought. You know, Kendrick Perkins, granted, he's, you know, at the fag end of his career, so I don't know how he would have felt at the start of it, but he was just like, oh, man, you know, it's a jaw. You show up, you, you punch in, you, you put in the effort, you punch out at, at 6 p.m. and you go home. Like, it's a job, right? So he had a very, very different take on the game of basketball than uh, I would have thought. I would imagine Kendrick Perkins answers every question with that tone, though. <laughs> like, just everything, like, uh, like, oh, man, like I'm, I'm feeling grumpy today and I need to punch Keith Griffin in the mouth. Like, just, need, just, just need move on. <laughs> but, but, see, but then that night, I asked Draymond Green the same question. They, you know, they hadn't won a championship yet, but they were, you know, they were, they were feeling pretty good at the time. And I was like, yeah. yo, Draymond, like, does this ever get old to you, man? Like, he was like, he's like, man, like, I'm a kid playing a game right now, and it's just so much fun. And he said, the day that this becomes a job is the day that I know that this, that it's over for me and mm -hmm. that it's time to move on. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's a, it's a question. For me, I feel that I would rather, much rather have been an NBA player than a tech CEO, it just, just because it seems like, the greatest thing in the world to me. Mm -hmm. At the same time, the thing that would ever make me question that decision is if I felt that doing that would have changed my love for the game and that it would have become a job to me. It would not be as much fun to be around the game every day. And that's the worst possible thing that I can imagine in my life is if I stopped enjoying the game of basketball, it, it, it would change life as I knew it for me mm -hmm. at least. Well, and, and if you were a tech billionaire, you could have done the Vivek thing and just buy a team. Yeah, you know, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, Vasu, we want to thank you for all your time, man. Thank, thanks so much for, for coming Absolutely, here, talking guys. about crossover, talking about your experiences and everything, you know? Anytime, anytime. Happy to be here. Yeah. Thanks again, Vasu, and good luck with everything uh, with crossover and all everything right, guys. you can like. And right, shout out to it. VNS again. Oh. <laughs> yes, <sir. laughs> all right, guys. Bye, Take Vasu. Thank you. Uh, so I want to thank Vasu for being on, for telling us all these awesome stories and basically making episode 16 of Hoop Darshan a little different, but definitely one of, definitely not any less entertaining. This was actually a very entertaining episode. Yeah, absolutely. I, it was a great chance for me personally to talk to Vasu again, to hear his amazing stories from, ranging from the Michael Jordan one to the first client <laughs> story. I think that... Um, it, it's a it's a line of work that he's in that always comes up with brilliant stories like these. So, um, it, 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 I mean, in how many places but Hoop Darshan are you going to hear stories about Michael Jordan and Subhas Mahajan within the same like hour? You know, absolutely. that's what makes it special. That, that's that's <laughs> what Hoop Darshan. Hashtag India basketball and hashtag Hoop Darshan. That's what we are. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, it, it was amazing to hear um, what he's doing and what Crossover is doing for the world of basketball in general. And I think that. Um, with with more people with outlooks like him, uh, basketball world in general is going to be a much better place. Um, so with that, I think we come to the end of episode 16 of Hoop Darshan. Before we call it a wrap, I'd like to thank all of our listeners for consistently tuning in to us, subscribing to us, liking our posts, sharing our 
links and so on. Uh, each and every one of that is, we are extremely grateful for that. Thank you again for uh, supporting us. You can follow us, if you're listening to us for the first time, you can follow us on Twitter. We're available at Hoop Darshan. On Facebook, you just have to search for Hoop Darshan. We're on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, a bunch of different places. Um, and um, if you have a sh- question for us, if you have any feedback, feel free to shout us out. You can follow Karan on Twitter at, at Hoopistani and I'm at underscore Kaushik7. And uh, thanks again. And until next time, hashtag India Kaushik before Kaushik, before we go, yeah. uh, let, me ask you the, let me ask you the big question. Would you either be a, a billionaire or would you rather be a millionaire NBA player? Oh, I'm, I'm a sellout. I'm going to take the money and go away. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to follow Vasu's path and, and, and make it to the NBA. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Hashtag India Basketball. Until next time.